cool it is that we get to sing praises today, but the Bible tells us that's what we'll be doing for all of eternity as well. And so this is just the practice run, the warm up. Um, so hopefully you've been enjoying that tonight. And um, thanks so much guys for leading us. Can we give them a round of applause actually to say thanks? The COVID season has made me appreciate live worship a whole lot more. Uh, so thank you. You guys can take a seat as well. Um, if it's okay, I'd love the house lights up just a little bit more so I can see that you're there. Otherwise, I feel like I am still in the COVID season and talking to a camera. Um, but speaking of camera, if you are watching online tonight, it is great to have you joining with us as well, as well as some people here. And we, uh, as Twig mentioned, we've been doing a series called The Invisible War, which is all about the spiritual battle. There's so much we see physically, we can see in person around us, but there's so much more that's taking place in the spiritual world as well. And so we've been exploring that over the last few weeks. Today, we're kind of wrapping that up. And I thought it would be great to start with a quiz. Now, before you freak out and think, oh my goodness, this maybe is your first time here and you think you have to have prior knowledge, you don't, it's okay. Um, and there's also no scorecard. So you can guess and get it wrong and it will be totally fine as well. In fact, it's a true false quiz. So if you think it's true, you just get to put your thumb up. Um, if you think it's false, put your thumbs down. And the good news is if you are doing this online, you can do the thumb up emoji or thumbs down as well and join with us. Are you guys ready? Yeah? You sound really ready. Are you sure you're ready? Because we're starting with a big one. Here we go. First statement, true or false? Some biblical scholars believe that the giants referred to as Nephilim are the offspring of, get this, demons and humans. These demons were put in a prison and Jesus went to preach to them between his death and resurrection. Okay, thumbs up, true. Thumbs down, false. What do you think? Please put them up so I can see them. Good job. Hopefully you're doing this online. Okay, it's actually true. Some scholars do think the interpretation of the Genesis passage is that. Okay, next one. This one's a little bit closer to home. The Broncos have been under severe spiritual attack this year. Uh, thumbs up if you think that's true. Thumbs down if you think that's false and just an excuse for really bad playing. Let's see. Okay, well, I'm not even gonna answer whether it's right or wrong. We're gonna move on to the next one. Um, angels sometimes disguise themselves as humans and many of us have probably spoken to an angel at some stage in our lives. What do you think? True, thumbs up, false, thumbs down. Okay, it's actually true. How about this one for the last statement? Animals, for example, pigs or possibly even cats can be possessed by demons. Maybe you've been thinking about your household pet at home. Thumbs up, true. Thumbs down, false. True. There's actually an incredible story in the New Testament about pigs being possessed by demons. It's worth checking out. But anyway, we're looking at this invisible war and tonight we're wrapping it up. Um, and my topic I've been given is how do we prepare for the spiritual battle? And the truth is there's a whole lot of things we could talk about tonight. Um, and some of you are doing this in a connect group, you'll be unpacking some things as well a little bit later this week. And it's not too late if you even wanna jump in for this week, you can join into a connect group. But I wanna deal with some uh, topics tonight and some misunderstandings that we have about Satan and the spiritual battle that if we can grab hold of them, actually help us to prepare better for the spiritual battle that we um, engage in. So there's a few to go through, um, but I wanna move quickly tonight. So hopefully you can stay with me. So we're gonna kick off with the very first misunderstanding. And that is that because Jesus is more powerful, Satan can't really hurt us. Because Jesus is more powerful, Satan can't really hurt us. 
Now, to illustrate this understanding or misunderstanding, I, um, I'm going to ask two people to help me out. Now, I've done this really bad thing and I haven't actually asked them yet, so they don't know. But I'm just wondering if Jono and Twig, if you mind coming up on stage, that'd be really great. Um, Twig, you can stay over this side and Jono, if you could stay over this side because we've got to be COVID safe. Um, but these guys are about to do a push-up competition. How great is that? Um, so what we're going to do before you get started, though, we want to see how you think they'll go. So um, I'm going to give you a chance to cheer to see who you think is going to win this push-up push up competition. Um, so if you're thinking it's going to be Jono, you need to let us hear some noise. Jono, could be. Um, what about Twig? If you think it's going to be Twig, let's hear some noise for Twig. It's, look, it's an even competition right now, even from their cheering. So, guys, no stress. Um, this is the real deal push-up, though. So, from toes and hair, um, you know, yeah, yeah. You've got it. Um, so, the other thing you have to do is you have to stay with my count, okay? So, you're gonna, we're going to count down from three, and then every time I count, you need to do a push-up, and we'll just keep going until one of you stops. And the person who stops first is the loser. Okay, here we go of push-up competition. All right, ready? You go, oh, jacket off. He's getting serious now. Good, good. All right, three. <laughs> this is a good start. It's not the best surface to do push-ups on. Sorry about that. Two, one, go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12, 13, I got competitive guys, 14, 15, 16, 17, one of you has to lose, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, I think Jono, you've missed one. <laughs> But that was solid effort. Can we give them a round of applause? Mate, you guys are awesome. I owe you chocolate or something after that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Later I will. Um, but thank you. Congratulations, Twig, for winning the push-up competition and Jono for coming second place. If it's any consolation though, Jono, if it was you and me having to do a push-up competition now, it would be a whitewash. You would have won it hands down. I can't even do girl push-ups at the moment. So that's with on your knees. So... Um, Really what matters in competition is who you're competing against, right? When we talk about the spiritual battle, we, we, we talk about the fact that God has all power. He is all powerful. He is incredibly powerful. He's pow more powerful than anything else. But often the assumption is that because God is more powerful and more powerful than Satan, that Satan can't actually hurt us. But the truth is that God is more powerful than Satan, but Satan is more powerful than us. Satan actually does have power in this world. He's extremely powerful. And in fact, we can read lots of times in the Bible about the power that Satan has. And there's one particular place I wanna have a look at tonight with a guy named Job and the story of his encounter with Satan as well. In fact, the book of Job outlines this and it starts with Satan talking to God and saying to God, Job only loves you because nothing bad ever happens to him. So let me have a go at him. And in fact, that's what Satan do, does. He sets out to attack Job in various ways. And along the way, we discover some things about Satan. 
we discover that Satan has power over people. He has influence over people. He can provoke action in people. We read it actually in the very first chapter of Job. In verse 13, it says, One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. This kind of idyllic day. And the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. So Satan has actually influenced behaviour, provoked to action these people who've come and stolen, stolen um, Job's donkeys and cattle um, and killed some of his servants. So Satan has power over people, over influencing over people. But we read on that Satan also has power over nature. Because while this servant is actually talking to Job about what's happened, we read in verse 16 that another messenger came and said that fire fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep. So Satan has power over people, can influence that. He has power over nature. But we read on that Satan even has the power to cause death. In verse 18, while this second messenger is still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. When suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. This misunderstanding that because Jesus is more powerful, Satan can't really hurt us has massive implications for the way that we engage in the spiritual battle. It's important that we don't underestimate Satan or misunderstand our need for a greater power at work in our lives. The truth is when we're engaging in the spiritual battle, we need to understand that we are desperately in need of God, the one who has all authority for His power to be at work in us and on our behalf in our circumstances. We need to be aware of Satan's power and not underestimate him, but also aware of our great need for God to be at work in us. The second misunderstanding is this, because Jesus has won the battle, His will will always be done. Because Jesus has won the battle, His will will always be done. If I was to ask you tonight, who is the God of this world? What would you say? I think most of us would say God or Jesus. Some might even use some theological term for God like Yahweh. But this isn't actually what the Bible teaches In fact, what it says might actually be pretty confronting for us because the Bible tells us that the God of this world is actually Satan. We read this actually in several places. In 2 Corinthians, it tells us literally those words, Satan is the God of this world. In Ephesians, it talks about Satan being the ruler of the kingdom of the air. In John, it talks about Satan being the ruler of this world. So the Bible is very clear that Satan has power in this world. He is the God of this world. But at the same time, the Bible actually also tells us something incredible about God. In fact, Jesus himself said in Matthew 28 that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So how do we reconcile this? How do we reconcile the fact that Jesus has all this authority, but Satan is the God of this world? Well, to help us understand that a little bit tonight, I wanna use some diagrams just to explain a little bit more. In this first diagram, we can see that Jesus has been given all authority on heaven and on earth. You can see that. 
He's above all things and He has authority over heaven and over earth. But when Adam and Eve, the first people that God created, sinned, when they they broke, they disobeyed God and because of their disobedience, Satan became the God of this world. So when you can see in the second diagram now that even though God is the authority over everything, Satan now has his hands on the world. He has power over the world. He's the God of this world. And as a result, much of what happens in this world is not according to God's will. We don't have to look far to see that. We see evidence of those things in our life, the brokenness and the pain in our world. And that's why Jesus actually asked us to pray when He was teaching His disciples to pray. He said, pray your will, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our job is to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that Jesus will exercise His authority, He'd exert His authority over and above, override Satan, His attacks, override sickness and evil and death and even the hearts and minds of men and women so that God's will would be done here on earth. And so when we see this third diagram, you'll see this is what it means, that God who has authority over all things would actually assert His authority over Satan's power in this world and He would actually bring change. He'd cause change. He would work and act and move on our behalf. When we pray for God's will to be done, we are literally asking God to assert His authority over the power of Satan in this world. To help you understand that a little bit in this context, my job here at the church predominantly, um, I'm the children's pastor, which means that I work in um, all the programs relating to children and oversee that. My hands are on the children's programs. I have power over what happens in those areas. But my boss, Nathan, is the the senior pastor of this church. So it means he has responsibility for all the programs that happen here um, at this church, all the um, activities for all people of all ages. We call them ministries and he's in charge of all of those things. At any given day, even though I have power to control what happens in the children's ministry, Nathan can assert his authority over and above that and come in and say, actually, no, Trish, we're gonna do this a different way. Now, Nathan, um, out of his goodness and kindness, rarely ever does that, Um, but he has the authority to do that. And when we're talking about God having authority over and above Satan, we're saying that. Satan has power in this world, but God has an authority over and above that. And when we're asking God to do His will on earth as it is in heaven, we're asking Him to speak into that, to move into that space. There was a man who um, was heavily involved in churches for a long time, very experienced, very capable guy. He'd um, led groups of people, seen churches grow under his leadership, and he'd been involved in leadership outside of the church as well and developing other leaders. And he had a heart to share Jesus with many people. And so um, at a point in time, he decided to start a new church and got a few people around him to do that as well. And they had a clear picture of what they wanted to do. They met together as a core group and they, they talked and they prayed about it. And the plan was that as they met together as a core group, that they would go and talk to some more people beyond that and keep on going. And eventually there would be a, a mass of people that would gather and a church could be established. And things started out that way. But after about a period of two months, they realised that they just really hadn't got any traction at all. If anything, um, it just wasn't working. And so they decided to pull a pin. Now, people on the outside of that may have looked at it and said, well, that wasn't God's will for the church to go. And that may well be true. But at the same time, we know, because God's very clear in the Bible, 
But his heart is for as many people as actually for all people to hear the good news of Jesus, to understand what's been done on their behalf, that churches would be started and more churches would be started. And so actually what's taking place here is probably the work of Satan trying to stop the will of God taking place in our world. And so we need to pray actually against Satan's opposition and pray that God's will would be done. This idea that Jesus won the battle so his will will always be done is not true. We need to pray for God's will to be done. Jesus was specific in his request that we would do that. The next misunderstanding that we're gonna have a look at tonight is this. As long as we've prayed to God, Satan can't get his way. As long as we've prayed to God, Satan can't get his way. To have a look at this, we're gonna talk about a guy named Daniel. And Daniel, we find in the Old Testament, um, the first part of the Bible, and actually the book is named after him. And Daniel had, uh, was a follower of God and he often would have visions or pictures of things that God was telling him of what God was gonna do. And he would give him a dream or a vision and, and explain it to Daniel. And we're gonna have a look at one context where that took place in Daniel's life in chapter 10. And it starts like this. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel. Its message was true and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. So Daniel has this vision and it's about this great war and he doesn't understand it, but he knows that God is the one who's given it to him and he needs to ask God what it means. And so he sets about praying, asking God to tell him what this vision means. And in verse two, we read that that's exactly what Daniel did. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So Daniel has spent three weeks, 21 days and he's praying, he's asking God. He's also what we would call fasting. He stopped eating, he's not drinking certain things because he's desperate. He wants God to tell him what he's seen and what that means. And after 21 days, Daniel has this experience. We read further down in verse 10, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. What's taking place here is actually that an angel has come from God and is meeting Daniel in this place. The hand on his shoulders from the angel and this angel said to Daniel, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you. So Daniel, you're favoured by God. Listen carefully and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Daniel meets this angel and this angel's telling him, I've got news for you from God. Listen carefully to what I've got to say because he continues on and says, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day, that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. So Daniel has been praying 21 days and this angel says to him, hey, actually from day one, the first moment that you asked God, God heard and God responded. He sent this angel, this messenger to him. But 21 days have passed. What's been happening in that time? Well, he goes on to say, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Now, when the, he's talking about the prince of the Persian kingdom, he's not talking like Prince Harry. 
he's actually talking about a demon who has been given special, like this particular territory to reign over, to have power over. And this demon has been fighting the angel for 21 days, keeping him from getting to Daniel to tell him this message. He goes on to say that then Michael, one of the chief princes, one of the chief angels in God's army, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So God is actually in this battle. He's sent his chief, one of his chief angels to come to continue the fight. So this angel can actually make his way to Daniel and then finally give him the message that Daniel had been praying 21 days for. Praying once doesn't just mean that Satan won't get his way. We're actually to keep on praying. A friend of mine actually was speaking about this very Texas passage once at a church. And after the service, a man came up to him to explain that he had been a little while before diagnosed with a, a, a very severe illness. And upon the diagnosis, he'd asked God to heal him, but nothing happened. And so he assumed that God said no. And that was it. He asked once and let it go. But after sitting there and listening and understanding that actually we're to keep on praying for our breakthrough. We're not to pray just once and then let it go, but we are to keep on praying. Part of the reason at the end of this series of the invisible war is to do these 10 days of prayers because we realise prayer is not a momentary thing. Prayer is actually the lifestyle God's called us into. The Bible's very clear that prayer is incredibly powerful and that we are to keep on persisting in prayer and asking God, who is not a harsh judge, but a loving Father, to move and act, to exert His authority and to break into this world and to do um, incredible things in our circumstances and situations. So to keep on praying um, and not pray just once, but pray often and always. The final misunderstanding I wanna deal with tonight, and hopefully you've stuck with me, um, but this one has to do with salvation. Because Jesus defeated Satan on the cross, all people will spend eternity with him. Because Jesus defeated Satan on the cross, all people will spend eternity with him. The Bible says at the very beginning of time that God created Adam and Eve. And they were given this life in the garden that was beautiful. They had this freedom. They were given responsibility to care for creation. And they had this relationship with God, which, which was amazing. But they had one thing that they had to follow, one rule. And Satan picked that one rule and came and tempted them and, and caused them to doubt God. And eventually they disobeyed God. And in that moment of disobedience, what happened was that Adam and Eve became captives. They were hostage, held hostage to Satan, the God of this world. And not just Adam and Eve, but actually all of humanity has been held hostage to sin, to, to Satan. And we've been kept there because of our disobedience, our, our default setting that we think we know better than God. And so to fix this, this hostage situation, something needed to happen. I don't know if you've ever seen a movie where a hostage situation takes place, but often um, the person who's been taken hostage, their family gets contacted and asked to provide a ransom. And so maybe it's 5,000, actually probably millions or billions of dollars these days, but the family gets contacted and said, you need to give money. If you pay the money, then your family member can be returned home. The problem the situation of Adam and Eve and all of humanity is no amount of money could actually pay the debt that was owed. 
Money would never be able to do it. Actually, what we needed was Jesus. Because Jesus came and he paid the penalty that we all ought to pay, but he paid it for us because he died on the cross for us. In fact, he willingly came and went to the cross and in that moment, he bore the penalty for all of humanity, for all of our brokenness, for all time. That debt was paid in full. And when he was resurrected, he defeated death forever. The victory that we've talked about, we sung about even earlier, was all about what Jesus won for us, the finished work of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection. And so in doing that, the ransom that was owed that taught the captivity that all of humanity has been under because of sin was paid in full by Jesus. And everybody who understands that the ransom has been paid in full can choose to return home. But the thing about captivity is, often when you've been in captivity for so long, you've been held hostage, you're under bondage, it becomes really familiar for you. And people choose to stay in captivity rather than return home. And for many of us tonight, we have come to a place of realising that captivity is not where we wanna be. And the ransom was paid by Jesus in full and we put our faith, our trust in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And we returned home to the Father and we've discovered life in Him like we've never imagined it could be. And not just today, but the hope for eternity. But maybe there are some here tonight and you've been hearing maybe just tonight or maybe through this series about this whole spiritual battle and you realise actually you are still in this place of captivity. You're still here, but the ransom has been paid. And in essence, it's literally like calling the Father, Heavenly Father and saying, Father, I am ready to come home. And so tonight, right now actually, I wanna give you an opportunity if that is you to do that. We're gonna pray and invite you just to close your eyes um, and pray with me. If this is you and you're in that place of captivity but you wanna come home tonight, you can simply just repeat these words in your heart and in your head uh, just where you are. Father, I wanna come home to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid for my brokenness, for my sin, I put my trust in who you are, in what you've done. I actually throw my life into your hands and I choose to be a follower of you and to have my hope in you now and forevermore. Amen. The best decision you can ever make actually to come out of captivity into the wide open spaces of life in Jesus Many people here in this place have known that for themselves. We'd love to talk to you about it if you've decided that even tonight to give you more information about what that is. Um, yeah, so if you've come with someone you wanna talk more, please do that. But as we finish tonight as well, um, I've been so aware, um, even in my own personal circumstances, but I know even talking to others, that the battle wages and often we grow weary in the praying, but God calls us to pray and keep on praying. Um, we invite you to be part of the 10 days of prayer that we're gonna do. But even right now in this moment, we're gonna sing a song that's all about what God has done for us. That we're not alone in the battle, but He's with us, but also He has won the battle for us. And I wanna encourage you, if you're in a situation that you just wanna get, 
want someone to pray with you about? Well, we'd love to pray with you even during this song. So I invite you to stand to your feet. Um, and the band's gonna lead us in this song in a moment's time. Um, and as we sing, if you would love prayer, you come and pray. Um, but I'm just gonna pray for us really quickly now before we sing as well. God, I thank You so much that You're good and You're kind and You're full of love. In fact, that's what we learn even more in this battle is that you, um, You've made a way for us when there seems to be no way. And so for each one of us here tonight, even as we sing these words, I pray You remind us of Your goodness, remind us of what You've done for us. And if there's certain specific circumstances, God, that we are longing to see You move in, I pray that we'd have a boldness and courage to actually come and to pray and to seek You and keep on seeking You for breakthrough. We thank You, great God, for who You are. Amen. Let's sing and worship together. Father, they're powerful words as we sing that tonight. Just that understanding, that knowledge that You're with us, great God. And I know You've just been impressing that so much in my heart lately, the promise of You, the fact that You'll never leave us nor forsake us. And in those times of difficulty and trials, where circumstances come crashing up against us, thank You, great God, that You are with us, great God. We thank You for Your promises. We thank You, Lord, that we can lean in on You. We thank You that we can trust You. And yes, there's a spiritual battle that rages. Yes, there is an invisible war. But thank You, great God, that we are on the winning side, that we don't need to be fearful or concerned or worried, great God, because we know victory is in You, great God. This is why we worship and honour You, Father. And so we thank You, Lord, that we walk in that victory this very week as we go out, as we head back to whatever we need to do this week, great God. We walk in the victory of You. We thank You, Father. You've made a way. You've made a way for that. And so we thank You for it, great God. We love You, Lord. We worship You and we honour You. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Hey, very good to have you joining with us online. So good to have you here as well. If you would like prayer at all, feel free to come and see us afterwards um, or you can email us uh, if you're watching online as well. But God bless you. Whatever you're doing this week, I really pray that God might use you this week. Whatever you're doing, may He really use you to have an impact wherever you are. Uh, God bless you. See you next Sunday for our anniversary service. See you then. Well, thanks for joining with us forever. Well, thanks for joining with us for our service today. If you sense God speaking to you, we'd love to help you on the journey of faith. You can reach out to us by emailing hello at bridgman.org.au or if you have a prayer need, don't forget to email us at prayer at bridgman.org.au and we'd love to pray for you. Thanks so much for sharing with us today and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.